0: Today's Candid episode of the Behind Closed Doors series is with my friend, Emily. Emily is my fun friend. (laughs) She is someone I call anytime I need help lightening up or when I just want to laugh and laugh and laugh, but she's also one who isn't afraid to share truth with me in love and call things as she sees them, which I respect and appreciate. So on today's conversation, Emily shares her story about becoming pregnant as a Christian college girl at age 19 and what life looked like through her perspective as she and I walked through that season together. She shares about how her life and her marriage have been impacted after having babies at a young age. We talk about different seasons with friendship, the disagreements that we have had as individuals, feeling invisible as a mama and as a person and what we think about turning our backs on people that we don't agree with. I hope you all enjoy this conversation. It was a fun one to record, um, but I also hope that it impacts you and something that you can maybe share with younger girls who would be willing to listen. And if you do enjoy this conversation, make sure to check out episode 63 on the best lessons that I learned in my 20s that changed my life, episode 50 on cancel culture and episode 29 on growing and thriving in spite of our circumstances. If you've not already rated and reviewed the podcast on iTunes, we are so close to 1000 reviews. Oh my gosh, I didn't ever think I would get to that point, but I'm super thankful. So it would mean so much if you would take a second to give a quick star rating and two to three sentences of feedback on what this podcast has meant to you. I love you guys so much. Let's dive into today's episode. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heartwork. work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee, to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast Behind Closed Door series. I'm so, so excited to have you here with one of my dear friends, Emily Maisie. Hello everybody. (laughs) Emily and I are both Disney fanatics and we've known one another for how long? I
1: moved here in 2012 and yeah you're my first friend. Yes.
0: (laughs) Okay so we're going to talk a little bit about the growth of our friendship but I will start by saying Emily is my fun friend. (laughs) I feel like we can get super serious and we can have really good conversations yeah. and we understand one another. And I think because we've gone through what we've gone through together, that we can just have any sort of combo. And then our baby's around the exact same age. Yeah, kind that's of, so pretty nice. close. But then we just have fun. I'm so serious. And I feel like Emily just pulled that fun side out where we just, I don't know. You just have such a good sense of humor. You're just cute. Thank alive. you. Sure. Okay. Let's start, just so people can get an idea of who we are, and then we're going to kind of dig into Emily's story of having babies early on, unexpectedly, and what that life has looked like for her. But first, let's talk about what you remember of how we met, how you define our friendship. Gosh, I remember it so vividly. I always refer friendship back to, like, dating, where you're
1: so nervous after you meet somebody that you're like, they're so cool. (laughs) Then you really wish and like, do they like me? Did I say something wrong? I remember thinking that way with Lindsay. I just thought she was such a sweet person. Basically, I met her though, because I was offered a job at
0: student housing. Community, yeah, Yeah.
1: Where I was in college. She was
0: already graduated and she was working as the Leasing, leasing manager. Yeah. You guys don't know that, but I was in student housing yeah. management for a really long time. I mean, what it felt like a long time right out of college before I started doing this. And that's kind of where I learned marketing, but that's where we met, right? So I was leasing manager and you were doing leasing agent yes. work. I just moved to Albuquerque.
1: I was having trouble with my door key. So I went down to get help. It was and you used- moved from where? California. I am from California. Yes. But it was user air. but he found out I was a transfer student and I was a sophomore. So the manager there offered me a job and I went in and met with Lindsay the next day and kind of started training. Fun fact, I met my husband. Yes. Well, I met him when I was signing my lease, but then I saw him again when I started working there. So
0: yeah, you guys work together.
1: Yeah, we work together. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But Lindsay and I, we became fast friends really pretty soon. It was like we were auditing people's files files
0: together. The really fun work. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I look back at that time and I'm thankful for it because I felt, I mean, there's a lot of people I still have friendships with because of that time, because it's a very unique dynamic. If you have ever been in student housing, it's such a unique dynamic of life and kind of dealing with a lot of people's problems. And I was very young. I was literally right out of college that I got that position and it was kind of crazy, but I'm thankful because I feel like it grew a lot. I was definitely challenged, matured. (laughs) I dealt with some things improperly, but I do feel like I built friendships like with you that were really just solid. And then obviously longstanding where we've been to this point. So let's jump in. What would you say are some of your best or worst memories? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Just as a whole.
1: Let me say this. Lindsay's a terrible driver.
0: (laughs) Wow. I am. I know. Road trip to
1: Arizona. Yeah. I was so excited. (laughs) I didn't know I was pregnant at the time. Yeah. I was barely pregnant. And you
0: were 19.
1: Yes. Yeah. I was 19. Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: That was a fun vacation.
1: It was so fun. And just the fact that it was just you and I. Yeah. We relaxed by the pool for a little bit. We went out and had dinner together. It was so fun. But I remember on the drive home, I kept saying, (laughs) (laughs) Lindsay.
0: Okay. This is such a common story. If I had my little brother on here, I had to drive him around when he was 14 and everywhere he's all (laughs) put him down. And to this day, he's like, Lindsay is not allowed to drive me. I think I'm a great driver I'm just maybe a little bit of a fast driver and you get distracted very easily I I know (laughs) that was fun Emily also got our hotel for free because they messed up our whole reservation so that's one thing we've learned about one another I would say yeah I'm not confrontational not at all she'll literally sit
1: there (laughs) you'll sit there and you'll eat food you don't like especially as you're a foodie. Like that's yeah. a big thing.
0: If somebody messes something up, you just, I do not oh, want someone mind. to spit in my food and I don't want to inconvenience them, which I know like, it's funny. Cause you're this way, Morgan's this way where you guys are vocal because you are like, I'm paying for this.
1: Yes. Yeah. If I'm paying for something, I want it the way I ask them to do it because and I'm not the right way. Yeah. And I'm spending my hard earned
0: money and it's not to be rude. And you're never rude. Well, I hope not. <laughs> I don't think you're. I think you're just. You're like, I'm so sorry. Okay, so we recently went out for mine and Jesse's anniversary. We went with John and Emily, and I ate my food and I didn't <laughs> like it. What did I get? Some seafood thing. Oh, mussels. Yeah, I love mussels. And we do also live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, <laughs> in the desert. So ordering fresh, no, ordering seafood is a little risky, and I knew it. But we were at a good restaurant. And it was so fishy. And I eat raw sashimi and all that, and I can handle it. But I was eating, and I was all, oh, nope. (laughs) Do it. And I was just going to just not eat for the night or go pick up, like, Taco Bell. And you wouldn't let it happen.
1: The waitress came, and I was like, I'm so sorry. Excuse me. Her food's a little bit too fishy for her. Can she order something else? I'm like, like, stop. But John gets – So embarrassed by that stuff too. And I always tell him, like, I'm being nice about it. Yeah. But you are. They come and ask, is all your food good?
0: And they were really gracious and responsive. They were. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It worked out for the food. And I got something else. It was delicious.
0: And she loved it. (laughs) Yeah. No, I appreciate it. And I feel like you challenge me and always have challenged me to be more of myself. Because I think, and I've shared this on my Instagram, especially recently, and something I'm learning a lot this year a lot is how much I kind of shape shift myself to form fit because I like to make people happy. I don't like people to feel uncomfortable, like waitresses <laughs> or whatever. I don't like to feel like I'm inconveniencing someone. I'm not good at saying no. And I feel like you have challenged me because you're always so gracious and loving, but you are willing to be Emily you know, you were just who you are. And I think a lot of that comes from the firm foundation of your family. So you have how many siblings?
1: I have five other brothers and sisters. And so I'm the second oldest of
0: six. Yes. And you grew up super close with them. I will never forget, John said at your wedding, <laughs> it was the best description because I had spent one night with your family and I was like, one, I have never met people who are so much fun. <laughs> Two, holy cow. <laughs> it's just like, it is so much energy in one space. And at the wedding, John said, spending time with your family is like drinking water out of a fire hose, <laughs> drinking water out of a fire hose, because it is so intense. But like to equate that with the amount of energy in a room and <laughs> the amount of laughter <laughs> is also the amount of like love between you. Because you guys have your sisterly, brotherly issues. Yeah. Yeah. But you figure it out. And you guys have been through a lot together. I mean, there's been a lot. That yeah. that have been in your family.
1: We have. And we always lean on each other, really. my I want to cry because they're not here. But
0: yeah.
1: I mean, you know, my sisters are my rock. And I even remember telling you early on in our friendship, like, you're my other sister here because I don't have anybody. Mm-hmm. I don't have my sisters here. I'm the only one who lives here.
0: Yeah,
1: And so I really depended on you <laughs> a yeah. lot to be Which my guy, sister. Is,
0: it's an honor to me because I do feel like, I don't feel like I mm-hmm. handled that while debating it. I think I struggle with people depending on me. I think I kind of bow out and freak out. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you come into my office. We hadn't been friends for how long?
1: So uh, I started working in September and now we are at the end of February.
0: Okay. So we had just new. taken a
1: road trip yeah. at the beginning of February.
0: Which tells you how quickly we clicked. Yes. Because we went on a road trip <laughs> together after like three months of knowing each other. She didn't know if I was a murderer or <laughs> what? It's too small to be a murderer. I don't think you could do it. It's the short, fast ones you got to <laughs> watch out for. Yes, so. Okay. So September, October, November, December, January for five months. And you come in my office and tell me what?
1: She already knew where I was going
0: yeah. with this.
1: I sat down and I said, I really need to tell you something. And you looked at me and you said, you're pregnant. Yeah, And I just started crying and I said, yes.
0: You were wearing a black spaghetti strip. Well, I, I don't know why I remember that, but.
1: I don't even remember at all. It was such a blur. I mean, let's, you know, go back to, I met my husband and I met Lindsay around the same time. So it's mm-hmm. been five months since I've known you, five months since I've known John. And I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. John had to work and I had no insurance like my parents were really poor at the time. So I, I couldn't ask them for anything. I knew I needed to get insurance. So I just remember saying, I need you to go with me. I don't want to go by myself. And mm-hmm. John is it, I don't remember if he had work or class, something, you know. Yeah,
0: I think he was in class.
1: <laughs> so you went with me to
0: a random doctor's <laughs> office. In the middle of nowhere, kind of. In the middle, yes. Because you're a college student. So you're trying to find a place that would help you.
1: Yeah, that would cost almost nothing to go in and be seen to take a pregnancy test just to prove that I'm pregnant to apply for insurance.
0: So tell me what your feelings were. I don't know that we've ever really, like, of course I experienced them alongside you of the fear and anxiety, but as you look back, what were those emotions when you first found out and then the following, like as you talk to your family, Mm -hmm. for any listeners maybe who have gone through this or who maybe are in the thick of it right now?
1: You're in the thick of it. You know, I I really pray for you because it's tough.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Going back to the moment, really, or that season of my life, even when I first met you, I was raised a Christian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I kind of had more of a unsteady upbringing, just with a lot of fighting in the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went through a stage where I didn't know if, had a real relationship with God. But in the church, it's always just like you don't have sex. It's like you've done the ultimate sin yeah. to the church, which is how they come across, you know. <laughs> in a youth group where just don't do it. And yeah. it's not really talked about like what happens if you make that mistake, because we're all sinners every day. And I think, I mean, we've talked about this mm-hmm. before. It's so easy to compare somebody else's sin to our sin. Like, Oh, we're better than them. Cause well, we didn't
0: do that. It's the ex- external <laughs> sins. And this is something that's been a huge realization for me in just like the judgment aspect and the awareness aspect of God says throughout scripture, God hates pride and yet, so many times we're so prideful as individuals, we're so sinful, or we love money, or we idolize ourselves or our relationships, which is just as great of a sin as drunkenness or sex outside of marriage. Everything is level at the foot of the cross, and that is so important to me because I think when I was first saved, it became this legalistic perspective of like, don't sin, da da <laughs> beat you over the head with the Bible. And the more mature I've become as a Christian, the more I see, gosh, Lord, this is why Paul says I'm the greatest sinner of them all, because he stops looking around him at the sin of other people and condemning others like our society is doing right now in so many ways, and instead looks inward and says, this war that I'm having with all these people and this judgment and these feelings is a war ultimately within myself. But knowing the grandiosity of our sin and the depth of our sin prevents us from looking at the pregnant 19-year-old and saying, you're a heathen and you're horrible. It instead allows for compassion and grace.
1: So I felt that great sense of, I'm such a sinner. Mm -hmm. How can I go back to church? I knew I had to tell my parents. I knew we had to tell his parents. My parents are very come across very loving, like, you know, you did mess up, but we're here for you. They no were matter-
0: so supportive. Yes, yeah. Yeah. No- I remember that.
1: I've You know, I've told yeah. you that no matter what, they always have said you messed up, but we're here for you, whatever you need, like, just mm-hmm. come to us. I had actually called my sister the night I found out and told her, my older sister, um, We're I'm close with all my yeah. sisters, but I called her to tell her and- She just couldn't believe it. And I just told her like, I'm going to need your help telling mom and dad, I need you to go over there and I'll call you and then we can talk about it together. And I remember my husband is not an (laughs) emotional, John is not emotional whatsoever, but he cried when he talked to my dad, just, he was raised in a Catholic household and his brother was very much you know, following the rules. And he had followed the rules up until he met me. So again, he's a very good man, responsible man. And he respects like what his parents raised him to do. So he felt a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. And he was probably more stressed out than I was. He probably was the thinnest he was ever when I was pregnant, like lost weight. He lost so much weight. I don't remember that. He was so anxious all the time. We fought the most during that time. One, I'm hormonal. Two, we don't know each other very well. <laughs> yeah. Three, we're trying to figure out how we're going to live this life with a baby. Was um, adoption ever a conversation with you guys? His parents brought it up. And I very much always knew I was going to keep the baby. Yeah. And I told John, this year out, you don't have to stay. I can do this by myself. So he did not choose said Yeah. <laughs> We're married. Now we yeah. have two two little boys. <laughs> yeah. But I remember when his parents brought up I felt really hurt. And my mom had to remind me that different pathways for different people. Mm-hmm. Like my mom is just so encouraging. Even though she didn't agree with me putting the baby up for adoption, she you know would remind me that just because John says we should consider every option, he's not saying I don't want the baby. He's saying let's think about Our future, you know, in Mm -hmm. the keeps the baby category or the adoption. He's a
0: very logical man.
1: Yes. Yeah. Very logical. Can take the emotion out of things
0: and just make a decision. (laughs) That's the emotion right now. (laughs) No, John is funny. He has a sense of humor, but he can be very serious. Yeah. That's why you guys balance each other out. (laughs) we love him
1: we love him very much (laughs) and we can make fun of him him. (laughs) so that was really hard for us John's parents you know took me in because once we found out about Matthew even though I felt a lot of shame we just said it's because we're not focused on the Lord we've just been selfish doing our own thing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: we went back to church we decided to stay abstinent At the time, I didn't know if we were going to get married or not. It's just we got we're going to have this baby. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but we knew we were going to stay abstinent until if we got married, then we would venture into the sex land (laughs) again. (laughs) Sex land, (laughs) (laughs) so
0: fun. (laughs) The whole land. (laughs) How did he respond to that? Was he really? Receptive and accepting of that. Of course, like having the consequence of <laughs> sex in his face, was that still a difficult decision for him? For him, no. He's a very logical person. Yeah. So the fact
1: that he went against everything that his parents had taught him, everything that he believed in, he probably felt more ashamed than I did. And even after we got married, he said it's really hard to think of sex in a positive way because. I was so stressed out and had so much anxiety mm. when we found out about Matthew. I didn't even throw up until a couple weeks into my pregnancy, but he threw up the first night he's pregnant.
0: Yeah, yeah I can imagine.
1: So, you know, we sat down together and we made the decision that if we're going to really put God first, we have to do the right things. And that is not sleeping together. Mm-hmm. When I moved in with his parents, I had one room and he had a completely separate room. Even when Matthew was born,
0: mm-hmm. Matthew and
1: I stayed in one room and he stayed in a completely different room. Yeah. And I remember sharing with you, Lindsay, when I was in labor. <laughs> <laughs> were, I was not progressing. It's been hours yeah. and I'm just stuck in a two. My contractions were like every five minutes apart. It was terrible.
0: You were so small. Didn't you gain like 14 pounds? You're Something already a small like person. <laughs> I gained like 45. (laughs) Emily just barely had this little bump. But you've always been so tiny. But yes, no, I remember being there and you were struggling, but then you delivered the baby, you delivered Matthew, and then everyone, he had to go to the NICU. Why did he have to go to the NICU? I have the worst memory for anyone who wants to know. I remember the main moments, but I remember, I forget the whys.
1: She forgets my son's name. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Which Who did you have first? <laughs> was I there for that one? So when I was in active labor, getting ready to push, my stats dropped and his stats dropped. So I had to wear oxygen mm-hmm. during the pushing part. And then he just came out so fast that he ended up swallowing amniotic fluid on his well, way out. That's what it was. So they had to make sure he didn't aspirate the fluid. And so they had to take him to the NICU, yeah. unfortunately. But I always remember... I swear almost every year on Matthew's birthday, mm-hmm. <laughs> I text you. And I tell you, I always remember everybody, you know, flocking to the baby because it <laughs> was just so precious and cute. Yeah. And you were right there in my room with me, watching me break down cry. Cause
0: every <laughs> Well, because you <laughs> were without you. Yeah. And you were by yourself.
1: Yeah. yeah. I was all by myself because I told John, don't leave his side because yeah. I couldn't get up yet. And Everybody else, you know, went to see the baby and Mm -hmm. you stayed with me Mm -hmm. and
0: listened to my hormonal self and took selfies. (laughs) We did take a picture, (laughs) maybe just one, but I mean, that was a really special time and I was thankful. I felt like it actually helped me as I look back. It helped to soften me because I saw your heart for Jesus and that you loved him and John's heart and that you made a mistake, you know what I mean? And of course, not to justify the behavior because you dealt with and are still dealing with some of the consequences of having a baby young. So it's not to, to excuse it away and just say it is what it is. But again, all sin is leveled at the foot of the cross. And I feel like it helped me to be more empathetic and understanding and also just really proud of you for the decision that you made to keep your baby And to fight for that. And now you're an incredible mom and he is healthy and thriving and incredible. And has been (laughs) to Disney world and land like a hundred (laughs) times and just living a really amazing life. And while you have had struggles, which we'll talk about, I just feel like it has been really good for me to see that in that moment where my natural legalistic side was, because I was only a believer for, I think like two years at the time. Yeah, Yeah, I was still, I mean, I consider myself newer and the church I was a part of had a lot of rules and regulations that I've had to undo since I was there. But I feel like in that moment where my natural mind would have been like, oh, how could you just so religious, which is everything Jesus was against, you know, the Pharisees and instead was a heart of like, no, I love you and I'm hurting with you, but I'm also so proud of you. And I just feel so much compassion because of what you're about to experience, but also just so proud of your bravery, you know? So I want to read in each of these behind closed doors sessions, I want to read a Bible story. And this one is John 4, 4. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees, the religious people, had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So for some backstory... Leaders, men as a whole, did not talk to women during this time, and they especially did not talk to Samaritan women because they were just seen as lower and less than. But Jesus spoke to her, and the Samaritan woman responded to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So I feel like at this point, she's not fully gathering what he's saying. She's like, okay, give me this permanent water that lasts forever. (laughs) But what he's obviously saying, and if you've never read this story, what he's saying is, I will not only provide you something that satisfies you for a short time, but what I offer in knowing me and surrendering your life to me as your Christ and as your God is to say that I will fulfill you for the rest of your life. This doesn't mean that you'll never have sadness or brokenness. But what he's saying is, if you accept me as your God, and if you allow yourself to surrender to me, you're not going to be leaning into these temporary satisfactions, but you will be fulfilled for the rest of your life. And this does not mean that you won't have struggles or frustration. Jesus had those things. He had brokenness. He was in despair and in pain multiple times. It is not delivering you from that, but it is to say you will have a foundation that is solid and unwavering when those things come. It prepares you for that time. So Jesus said to her, "'Go, call your husband and come here.' The woman answered him, "'I have no husband.' Jesus said to her, "'You are right in saying I have no husband, "'for you had five husbands, "'and the one that you now have is not your husband. "'What you have said is true.'" The woman said to him, "'Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship.'" So she's saying, you know what's going on with me? How the heck do you know what's going on with me? And Jesus said to her, "'Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father.'" In spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all these things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. I am the Christ. So then basically the disciples come back saying, why are you speaking to her, etc.? And then she goes on to tell everyone, he knew what I did. He knew that I had five husbands, that I was not living the way that I knew the Old Testament ultimately had called me to, but he told me, go and sin no more and sent me on my way. But he knew everything about me and he was gracious to me and compassionate. So you have shared this with me, this story and kind of the relation back to going before God and feeling this sense of shame and guilt and knowing he is a God of forgiveness but still battling with your own feelings. So will you talk a little bit about the emotions between you and Jesus during this time and kind of what that healing has looked like for you?
1: I had a really hard time like going to Jesus to pray because I felt almost guilty. Like I was so selfish. I was only thinking about what I wanted, was not even considering what Jesus has laid out directly in the Bible for me. So I think my struggle a lot was with just praying to Jesus, asking him for help. Once I became more comfortable and really understood that I'm forgiven because he's so merciful and he Mm -hmm. shows us so much grace. I really communicate with Jesus through music the most. Mm I love singing. I love listening to the music. I feel Jesus' presence the most. I mean, Lauren Daigle's music, Mm -hmm. I can specifically remember even when my sister was sick during my pregnancy when I felt so out of touch. That's what really brought me back. Mm -hmm. Like I am forgiven because I've repented. I have changed my life to figure out how I can be a godly person and raise my son in a godly way. Mm -hmm. And John and I, can have a godly relationship, it took me a little while. But Mm -hmm. I think once I understood how merciful he is.
0: That just because you made a mistake does not mean God is staring at you with a pointed finger and saying, how dare you? That instead he's coming alongside and saying, I love you. Like, let's get through this together. It's such a different tone than what I think we sometimes expect
1: from him. It's almost in our mind. We literally, you Expect him to be how the we world are. is. The mm-hmm. world yeah. Yeah. How people stare at you, Oh, you're nineteen and you're pregnant. What are you doing? And you almost think God is gonna think that because you were mm-hmm. so selfish. And when you really ground yourself in the word, you realize and it almost brings you to your knees and you know, a moment of just like pure submission and pure love for God, knowing that no matter what you do, He's gonna forgive you if you come back to him, cause that's all he wants. He mm-hmm. wants me to be with him and I wasn't walking with him and it made him sad, you know? Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, I just thought I can change my life right now and be the godly woman that he wants me to be. And in turn, you know, be a godly mom for mm-hmm. Matthew, be a godly girlfriend at the time for John. Mm-hmm. Now wife, it takes a, some steps, especially when you feel judged by your church or Mm -hmm. your close friends. But back to what you were saying earlier, although yes, you were a new Christian, I never felt judged by you. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't feel like I ever
0: judged you. I think it was a moment that God used for me of like, this is my heart. Let me show you my heart. And the Holy Spirit filled me in that. Not that I think that I would have judged somebody before, but I think just what I kind of had been taught was like Mm -hmm. rules upon rules upon rules. And there was so little of God's grace in that, that I think there is a very balance of the two that we either have too much grace, which I mean, can you have too much grace? I don't know. Or maybe too much justification of things. Or we have so much religion that we are so judgmental and angry at the world. But my thought is, and this is like, it's been transformative for me and the way I deal with people and even my kids, is would I rather, just use you as an example, have Emily, 19 and pregnant, on her own dealing with this while I'm sitting and staring down at her and saying, how could you, while I'm flooded in my own sin, or would I rather have her be 19 and pregnant and walk alongside her in that and be a support system because we can disagree with the decisions that some people make, or we can disagree with a lifestyle or even just like a personality or character as a whole. But I would say like, say a friend of mine who has totally backslidden and walked away from the Lord, I can look down on her and say, oh my gosh, how could you? And let her continue living in sin or living in whichever way she chooses. Or I could say, hey, let's go to coffee. Let's hang out. Let's do this. Let's be together. together. Yeah. Because they're going to do it anyways. Even if my kids, like if my boys were to say, mom, I'm gay. You know, if that were a situation, they're going to live, if they choose that and that is where they are, they're going to likely, from what I've seen from other families, live that out anyways, right? You can share them. You can share truth. You can pour the gospel into them but they will likely live that or say they want to get married at 18 or they decide they want to sleep together, whatever it could be. It could be anything. And I could say, I never want to see you again. Get out of my home. That is not, I don't believe the heart of God. Or I say, I love you. This is what I believe. This is what the Bible says. It's what God word says, but I will always love you. And I will always be here because I'd rather live life alongside them to pour that truth and that wisdom into them than to have them living that life alone without any of that, because I have, I have turned my back on them. I don't even think I've
1: ever told you this. And I've been trying to get better at telling my friends things. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think you realize that you were this for me in high school or you were this, Mm -hmm. but you know, I was new here. I had no friends only because I'm,
0: when you start dating someone, yeah. like you spent well, all your time yeah, with them. And you were working a lot and yes. you were in school for nursing.
1: I worked two jobs. I worked at Casas and I worked at a daycare. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 And then I was dating John and we were friends. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of all I needed. Yeah, <laughs> But I just think sometimes, what if I didn't have you walking alongside me? I would have had nobody mm-hmm. to turn to. That's why I said I kind of leaned on you during that, my pregnancy season for Faith based advice, Mm -hmm. because I was going through this really unconventional thing that the church really frowns upon. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you ever realized like how important that was for me, that I needed somebody that lived by me to walk with me in that season and give me that faith based advice Mm -hmm. to grow myself, but to also just know that I had somebody in my corner that lived right by me. Cause again, my family doesn't live here. Mm-hmm. It was so comforting. I know we had our little things after Matthew mm-hmm. happened, happened after I had Matthew. After my child <laughs> happened. I, say I, that. I really <laughs> love him.
0: <laughs> but that season of life was really sweet for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. I have really sweet memories of you coming over and having your belly, and then calling me when you're pregnant, and then also leaving me with Matthew, with I had never had a kid before. I had never really babysat, and I'm like, he's crying, and Jesse and I are panicking. He's we have been married pregnant. like a year. <laughs> Matthew
1: was the hardest baby. My mom had six oh. of us, and she would tell me. I've never seen a
0: baby cry this much. He, he could a lot.
1: All the time. And
0: <laughs> did I have a class one day? I think and you had you... a class or like an interview or something. I mean, something really important to leave Yeah. And you trusted me, which of course <laughs> I, I would take care. But I remember pacing my <laughs> kitchen for like an hour trying to get him. <laughs> and and I'm I? And I didn't. You're always oh, doing okay, Mom? He's great. <laughs> We're great. Like I'm feeding him. I'm doing everything he needs. But he is just crying a lot. <laughs> and it was okay. I mean, it worked. <laughs> but he was good. I always joke
1: that because I got pregnant young, that was my punishment that I had the hardest baby in the world. He would literally wake up at night from like midnight to 3am nonstop. So I'd sit for an hour, then I'd wake John up, then I'd wake up back up in an hour. And he never napped. He didn't sleep at night. Like, thank you, Jesus. I learned my lesson. (laughs)
0: A lie that you may believe far too often, especially as a woman, is that you have to choose between your family and your dreams. But the Proverbs 31 woman defies that stereotype. She was both a mother and a businesswoman. She worked hard for her family and used the giftings that God had given her to provide for her home. She had both ambition and faith, and she was honored. Friends, if you have a gift, use it to make God's name known share your story, share your passions, share your life. I have spent the past five years relentlessly studying and implementing all things marketing, blogging, entrepreneurship, small business, and podcasting, while also being a stay-at-home mama of two boys. Now with over 6 million blog readers, over 600,000 total podcast downloads, and tens of thousands of social media followers, I'm able to make an income for my family. I feel so passionate about this business and helping others to pursue those dreams. And I want to share everything I've learned with you, whether you're a mom of five or a college student. Do you want to be a travel blogger? Would you love to share your voice and launch a podcast? I can help you. I'm so excited to be offering one-on-one personalized business coaching for anyone with a dream to share their story, create a ministry, or build a platform. During our two and a half hour coaching session, I'll customize everything specifically for you by looking over your website and social media to give honest and helpful feedback that will help you grow. I'll teach you how to use Pinterest to make money, even if you don't have any followers, because if you're not using it yet, you're really missing out. And we'll talk all things Instagram, Facebook, branding, monetization, all in simple to understand terms. I will provide you with two free customizable media kits, a list of my 20 influencer websites that you can join right away to start collaborating with small and large brands, exclusive group board invites on Pinterest, and Facebook group invites to help get more eyes on your business right away. I always say she didn't do it better. She just did it. What is that one thing that you have always wanted to do, but you've never done? You will never succeed if you don't ever try, but you have a great chance at succeeding if you at least try. You don't ever want to live in regret. So if you are interested in this personalized coaching, just email LivingEasyPodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's LivingEasyPodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in this coaching and hearing about how I can help you specifically, I'll talk to you soon. Well, so let's talk about that. What have been some of the lessons or maybe things that God has taught you through this within your marriage, within your life as a whole, maybe three main things that you've learned? Three main
1: things. I'd say one, definitely showing grace, just literally going back to what we just talked about. I still will find myself getting judgmental about something. Mm -hmm. And I think, man, do you know how many people probably looked at me? Mm -hmm. And thought, wow. And
0: it's such an easy thing for us to do.
1: Yeah. You just look at somebody or you see something and your mind automatically goes to a judgmental place. Mm-hmm. So I think definitely that's like the number one thing. You can't judge somebody from one mistake that they make. Right. That doesn't mean that they don't love Jesus. But mm-hmm. we all have slips, whether it's they yelling at our husband. Yeah. yeah, yelling at our husbands, yelling at our children, you know, getting frustrated at something at work. So I try to remind myself of that, even though sometimes I still fail. I would say this one would be how important it is to really have a foundation before you bring kids into the world. In your relationship. In your relationship. Yeah. I just think, especially when you're young, you get really infatuated with somebody or you think that. I've just had friends who maybe thought having a baby would help the relationship. From my perspective, a child just brings so many more stresses. Yes. So much joy, but you know, financial burdens, thinking about what you're going to do with your baby. If you have to go to work, John and I've been married for seven years now, and I still will tell him, you know, sometimes I struggle with who I am in our marriage individuality. I, yeah, yeah. I know who I am when I'm with you. I'm a friend. I know mm-hmm. who I am when I am with my kids. I'm a mom, but when it's just John and me, cause we don't really have a lot of time, just him and I, and it was him and I for maybe five months. And then it was just crazy stress trying to figure out what we're going to do mm-hmm. for nine months. We're working on the foundation now, like figuring yes. out how to communicate with each other. And that's really hard to do when, you know, he works full time and then we mm-hmm. he comes home and it's about the kids. And then at night we're tired. So if you have that foundation before, it's not that, oh, it's going to be such an easy transition because kids just bring a whole nother dynamic. Mm-hmm. It just makes your life a little bit more difficult because you're trying to figure out this whole other person who you are going to share your entire life with. But you also have these tiny humans running yeah. around your house at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the third one I'd say is definitely just... A good lesson for me is to n- never give up, just to keep persevering. I mean, I was a sophomore mm-hmm. in college when I got pregnant. John was a junior. You
0: got your degree.
1: I did. You had I a nurse. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was so hard, though. Just knowing I had to leave him, I worked as a nanny, so they allowed me to bring him. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Yeah. To my work, but as soon as I got home, again, this is why there's like no relationship established between. John and myself, because as soon as I got home, I dropped off Matthew with John and I got ready and went to night school. Mm -hmm. And, you know, John would be at school during the week. And then when he graduated, then he was working during the week and I was still going to night school. Yeah. So it was just, there was times I did want to quit. You know, and John would just tell me, no, you can't quit. Like, this is what you wanted. You wanted to get a degree. And I did. It was just so so hard to know I'm, I'm leaving Matthew and at the same. So I went to school during the week. And then after my nanny job ended, I started working night shifts two days out of the, usually it was on the weekend um, at the hospital as a tech while I was nursing school. So it was just like, I never saw my husband. I spent the day with my baby and then, you know, I was off doing school or working. Mm -hmm. So definitely just perseverance to, get to your goal you know you can make excuses for yourself and play the victim and I
0: sure did like this is too hard do I want I this? don't remember you doing not oh. much I mean I remember moments of like overwhelm for sure just to encourage you no, like more you. of my memory is of you just pushing through and just saying we're gonna figure this out like <laughs> so some nights of crying most <laughs> nights of like I am busting my butt to make this happen which is really admirable
1: But I mean, if we go back to our friendship, I think that's when our friendship really took the hit. I'd say after Matthew was born, one struggle I really had was you know, we weren't married, and I felt like it wasn't anything John, I mean, you know, John, he really Mm -hmm. does have like such a heart for God. He has such a good heart. It was nothing he was saying to me or doing to me, but I felt like I had to be just like the perfect Mm -hmm. mom because. I needed to prove to him that I could be a good wife mm-hmm. because we weren't married yet.
0: You were courting him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you were like, propose to me because I've got it good. And you did. You took care of everything. I tried my hardest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I didn't really spend time with you. I was like so anxious if I knew John was going to be getting off work and mm-hmm. I wasn't going to be home. I would literally just pack everything up wherever I was at to get home so that we could be home when John was home so he could see the baby and I could help him with anything he needed help with. It was when I go back to that, I was putting so much stress on myself. Mm -hmm. And then I was not giving myself what I needed in friendships to, you know, help me grow and help me feel like you're doing fine. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't need to stress yourself out. I didn't have anybody telling me, don't stress yourself out. Like he's going to be fine. Give
0: yourself grace.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because I was keeping it all to myself. Like mm-hmm. thinking if I told somebody this, they're going to think I'm, I'm crazy. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like yeah. I'm weak. I can't handle I think it. That's a very common thought, unfortunately, among women that like, we try to have it all together and do it all. And then when we can't, we of course break down and lose it, but in the thick of it and just asking, like, they always say it takes a village. And when you look at different cultures, How involved the grandparents are and the parents are and the siblings are, and how much help they really do have, even in true villages, you know? Whereas with us, there's just this lie in our society as women that we have to have it all together. And if we don't, which I struggle with, like I use the podcast, I was thinking about this as I've been taking a little break. I use the podcast as like my journal, which is going out to thousands of (laughs) people. I'm
1: like, here's my diary. If anyone unlocks her diary, we'll find her high school diaries
0: too. I'll read it. I've always thought if I die and Jesse were to like, look for my most secret things, he would find them on my podcast. I'm like, (laughs) not that I share everything, but this is how I process is by talking through. And I am really forgetful. I forget a lot of things. So Jesse used to tell me like, Hey, write it down when we have a good day or like (laughs) when we go on a date so that tomorrow you remember we had a good day. Cause I can like just veer into that like negative perspective. Yes. But I think that there is so much to be said with like, when I talk about these things, it helps me to process. But I also think there's a place where when I feel really overwhelmed with motherhood or with being married or with friendships or whatever, that it's easy to just say the words like motherhood can be exhausting. Motherhood can be hard or being married can be really hard, but that is not an exhaustive list of what it means. There are days where I just lay in my bed and cry because I don't want to be a mom that day because I feel like I need 10 minutes myself to breathe. And that just doesn't exist. In being married, there are moments where I just feel totally unseen. And I shared about this in the Wife Project as well, but I think there is a place where we feel this, struggle to be all things and then we literally lose ourselves like you're saying. Yeah. In that. And we lose our relationships. You feel invisible. Yeah. And I think every
1: mom goes through it. But for anybody even listening who, you know, has gone through this experience, I think you know what that struggle feels like. And the invisibility is there. Especially because I mean I felt like I can I shouldn't ask anybody for help. I was so young, I felt like I needed to prove That I could do this. So I didn't ask for help. And that was really, really hard. You know, motherhood is so joyful, Mm -hmm. but there are some days where you just want to cry. And I remember calling my mom one day and saying, I feel so terrible because all I want to do is run away today. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I don't love John, it's not that I don't love Matthew, but I just want to run away. And she said, Emily, everybody feels that way. Mm -hmm. Everybody, every single mom feels this way at one point or another and multiple points. You're going to feel like this, but you know, I didn't have any other friends who had kids. It's Mm -hmm. not like I could talk to anybody. I really was alone. I hadn't, I had no family here. I don't really know John's family very well. Mm -hmm. So I'm very uncomfortable with them. My one friend is you Mm -hmm. and you
0: guys don't have kids either. So Mm -hmm. I'm just over here. And there really is a, a dynamic of but like, I still have plenty of friends who don't have kids. It is a difficult combination when you have a baby who soaks up your every need, you know, and you can't really have a full conversation. Now we get it. Cause we're like, okay, if we get 10 words in, we're good before our kids interrupt us. But I think there is a place of, there's just that disconnect when you have children and when other people don't have children and there's nothing wrong on either side of that. No, it is just a lack of fully understanding. I even remember like some comments from friends when I had kids that would be like, I mean, you can't come without him or something. Or I mean, when they have kids like me wanting, like, let's just do something alone. Now that your kids are a little older, (laughs) let's do something alone. And it is, it's really hard to navigate the needs of the parent and the wants of like wanting their children around, but then also the friend who like just wants to go out and have some freedom. I think it's important to note there isn't fault on either side. It is just a lack of understanding. It's the in that area. part,
1: you know, yeah. like in any relationship, you know, God calls us to serve in our relationships, even our friendships. And I was just talking to another good friend of mine the other day about this. And, you know, when you have kids you then know how to serve other people who have kids. Mm -hmm. But then when you get farther removed from like that newlywed stage, and then all of a sudden you have a friend that gets married, you don't know how to serve that friend best now. Mm -hmm. You can still be close and love each other. And there's nothing wrong with either side, but it goes back to the serving. Like Mm -hmm. this friend doesn't know how to serve this friend the right way because they've never been in that season of life or Mm -hmm. they've been so far removed from that season of life now that they can't even remember. Like, what's the best way for me to serve my friend in this newlywed season? Mm Because, you know, now they're married and they have four kids and that newlywed life is so Mm -hmm. far behind
0: them. So that season of friendship is transforming. Yeah, Yeah. it's changing. I mean, I think our friendship has changed a lot over the years. Well, I think we went, and again, really bad memory. But I think that when I look back, I very vividly remember the times with Matthew as a newborn and spending that time and kind of walking you through living with your Mm in-laws and what that looks like. (laughs) And, and I lived with my in-laws, you know, and I felt like we were able to communicate in that area too. But I think then there was that pause of friendship and there were different expectations. And this is what I think I've learned so much in relationships. And I think now our friendship is stronger than it's ever been. Like it feels definitely what I feel is there's more understanding than ever of one another. I think before there were expectations on my end, expectations on your end. And when those expectations either aren't voiced or aren't understood, it creates dissension when there really doesn't need to be any. It's just that you can't fulfill what I need and I can't fulfill what you need. And so then there's frustration and there's tension. And we actually learned about this in church today. And he was talking about what causes quarrels and fights within you. And it's that you have desires that are basically not fed ultimately. So it's like, oh, I want this from my friend and you want this from your friend. And we're not giving that to each other. (laughs) And so we're angry. And then it just creates turmoil or just like a split.
1: But you know what's weird is I can remember telling John, like, I really miss her. I would really cry and say, I don't have any friends here. Like, I just really wish I still had Lindsay. And then I look back, I'm like, why did I even get mad? Like, why were we even discussing well, but the thing that
0: is the biggest thing and not just on you, but in my realm too, with my relationships, I've realized, and I've talked about this so much, but first Corinthians says, love holds no record of wrongs. And that's why is because it does. It is like, I always tell my voice, it's building blocks. If you're angry at your brother for this, and then he does one more thing and you haven't already forgiven him, it's going to continue to grow and fester. And I mean, in the same area for me, in my friendships, like there's moments where I don't let go of that one thing she said two months ago and then something else is said. And then it turns into a spiral of like, Oh, so you must think this. And then there's so much anger and just volatile conversation when it could have been like, no, that was already dealt with, or I didn't speak up about it. And so I have to choose to let it go and to forgive and move on, or I need to address it separately on its own. I mean, I'm sure I did the same and obviously it's a two-sided friendship. I always say that like friendships go both ways. And so if there is division, it's on both sides. And a lot of the time it's unspoken communication and unspoken frustrations, which I think a lot of it was with us where, at least for me, like I sat in pride, I'm like, I'm not going to be the one. And I'm thankful we've grown from that. Cause I feel like now we can have civil conversations if there's disagreements and I am the one, I've shared this before, who wants to run away from friendships. I. You can make, check out easily I where can. you just think,
1: in my mind, I think it's more like, I just don't I have no energy for this. Yeah. Just forget it. And so instead of putting in the work or the talking, the hard stuff. It's just
0: like, I just you distract know myself really easily.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because you're such a people's person mm-hmm. that you could distract yourself with going out with other friends mm-hmm. and that can completely fill the void. You know, like, yeah.
0: oh, I have my other friends. Go this out is something coffee. I get called out for all the time. <laughs> not just from him, but from everyone. <laughs> is it, it's probably one of my biggest struggles because I do feel, it's not that people don't matter to me because they do. And it's not that I don't miss those people, but I think... That I believe the lie that when it gets hard, it's not meant to be. And I know, I'm like, again, you look at the life of Jesus, that is just not the case. And it's not, I do not believe, and I shared this in Shana's episode the prosperity of like health and wealth, and God wants you to be rich and healthy and fabulous is so the opposite of the life that Jesus lived. But I think sometimes I'm like, if it's hard, I turn around, but in my marriage, I haven't done that. You know, if it's hard, I'm all stick around. What can I do to make you love me more? How can I do this? And in friendships, I don't know what that is. And it's still. I mean, I think I've shared this with you before.
1: You know, there's a difference between knowing that they were a good friend in your life. And there's friends that do just come in for a season and I sometimes, I think I've told you many times, it's okay mm-hmm. to have friends who are there for a season. Yeah. Can you imagine if we were best friends with every single person that we struck up a friendship with at one point? Since we were four years yeah, yeah, that would be so <laughs> many people. You know, there's a difference between what you're saying. I just back out when right. you know, like, no, they're a good friend. Mm-hmm. We're just having a rough patch. We all have rough patches, like life gets hard. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're just not in a good head space. Just like our relationships with our husbands. Like sometimes yeah. you're 70-30. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're 50-50. Very rarely you're 50-50. Mm-hmm. One of you's always doing a little better than the other. Yeah. One of you's a little bit less. And you gotta help each other out. And I think mm-hmm. it's the same way in friendships. Like sometimes, yeah, you're 50-50, things are great. Other times I come over, I'll just unload on Lindsay and then I leave. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, all I did was talk about me. Other times <laughs> she comes over, you know, she'll unload I on me. <laughs>
0: and
1: it's just the season of life. And I think that season of life was just, it was hard and different. And mm-hmm. I mean, at least from the first time we really had our separation, I think I learned a lot about just not being so judgmental. Like I, I felt judged. And then here mm-hmm. I am, you know, giving that judgment mm-hmm. back to somebody else. And to me, like, I can remember one
0: thing that we fought about. How how dumb is that? <laughs> I feel so stupid. No, but it's not. I mean, because those things are important to you. And I don't think we should diminish those things that we felt frustrated about, but I think it's communicating them. And I do like, I mean, most of the friends I've had, I have had for more than 10 years. I mean, almost all of them. We've been friends then for. So um, yeah. time we have nine years, nine years. I mean, that's a long time. And I think that you are bound to come into struggles with people. Like I have amazing family members that I love who are like, friends are too hard. I would rather just live alone. (laughs) Like, well, yeah, I can. like I have moments where I felt that way. I'm like, man, these relationships as a whole just take a lot of effort, but nothing good usually comes without work and without effort and without time and without heart and I look at my relationships with my kids. It's like, all I do is pour out and pour out <laughs> and pour out. And you pray that in the long run, there will be that growth. And I think that is what I've seen in our friendship. And then in the other friendships where the relationships that I have checked out of, there's no opportunity. And again, that's checking out just because I'm being selfish, not for like valid reason. But if I've checked out, there is no opportunity for growth. And then you see the ones where we have fought and we have come back and if like you know this relationship is hard and we're really different or whatever but let's continue fighting for this for the glory of god and loving each other well and then you come to a place where now emily and i are making mickey ears (laughs) And planning vacations and for each other and all kinds of things. The reason I went to Disney World is Emily convinced me to go with my kids. Jesse, by hate me, because
1: I'm like you should do that. Let's go on (laughs) vacation. You should go to Disney World. Plan it now. I'm gonna help you. Let's look up this. I'll make all of your ears. We literally planned it together at
0: my house. Jesse comes out of his office. What are you doing? I want to go to Disney World. What? Like I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think so much of that and like where we are now, we wouldn't have that or this, just the comfortability and the ability to talk about those hard seasons and just the awareness of one another and the growth that we needed internally if we hadn't fought through it.
1: Yeah. I'm really glad we fought through it. I mean, there was that time we didn't speak and Mm -hmm. we weren't fighting at all. It was just on our own thing. Yeah. Radio silence. I mean, I learned so much about just being so graceful Mm -hmm. and merciful because that's what God showed me. And then even, you know, later on when we had our little things, it was more like, how can I speak in a loving way where I can express what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Because I know like one time I came to you to talk to you about something kind of serious and Mm It was more like, I remember you telling me, like, I feel like you're attacking everything about me. Mm -hmm. I didn't mean it that way, but looking back, I can see how it would come off. Mm -hmm. I think I've learned like one, not every single thing has to be communicated, like take it to Jesus and then see what Mm -hmm. Jesus has for you Mm -hmm. and filter through. Yeah. Yeah. When you do bring it up, like you can be so loving about something and work through it and Mm -hmm. Like, we have grown so much from it. Like, you grow so much from just learning how to properly communicate, where you understand and your friend understands mm-hmm. exactly what you're trying to say, and nobody has hurt feelings. It was
0: just yeah. like, this was a really good conversation. I agree with you. And I think also with knowing, like, the Bible says, you plant a seed, God does the watering and the growth. And that's referring to salvation. But I think also just in life, like, sometimes you can bring something to someone. And they don't have ears for it at that time. And they don't want to hear it. They're just not there. And you're like, I brought it to you in love. And then we are going to let it like simmer. (laughs) And then even if they don't receive it well, more of a preference thing than a sin thing. I think where you're just saying, hey, I don't think this is really good for you. And then (laughs) we're laughing because we know what we're talking about. But, but I didn't let it simmer. I let it boil over. Yeah. But that's in looking back retrospect. Yes. It's like, if you go to someone and say, Hey, um, I see this in your life. And you're like, Hey, I'm not receiving that. Like, I don't agree. I don't think that's a good thing. Or I don't think that's valid or accurate. And then you move on with your life, but then trust like, Hey, I said what I felt God called me to say, I'm going to continue loving. And I'm going to continue praying for that to be made aware for her. And then you love them through it and you pray and you let God do that conviction or you let God work in those relationships to see what is needed, but not expecting this immediate response because you see it in their life. Like we're going to see each other. We're going to see the death, right? The (laughs) mess and the dirt and how easy is it to pick and prod and pull all of those things up and lay them out on a platter and say, this is who I see you as rather than seeing through the eyes of Christ and then finding those big piles of dirt that are necessary to pull up and are like, all right, this needs to be addressed, but you know, I've loved you so well that I'm only bringing this up because I care about you. But when I think when people, and I've seen this with myself, when I'm constantly sharing things with people where I'm like, which I mean, I used to do so much in just seeing the fault in my friends so much. And going back to like my legalistic side of just saying like, you're in sin here, you're doing this, you're doing this. Going back to what I was saying about my boys, like they pull away and then they go live their life anyways, instead of saying, Hey, I love you so much. Let's live life alongside one another. And then also let me share truth and love with you.
1: Even going back to that, let's think about if you weren't there for me, you know, yes, we can do what ifs, but you know, then you just think who, is that godly person in that person's life mm-hmm. to help lead them. And it doesn't always have to be you. You know, I think God shows you yeah. if you're supposed to be in that season of life with somebody. Yeah. But then it goes back to, we're supposed to, you know, be God's hands and feet. So mm-hmm. if we turn our back on somebody because we don't agree with them mm-hmm. for one thing or even for multiple things, really, yeah, we're not being God's hands and feet because who's helping them? Who's really being that light to show them that, this is what God has for you and you can come out of this. Mm-hmm. I think about that a lot just in my everyday life of because I'm ugh, such a homebody. It's terrible. But I told John, I'm like, how am I supposed to be God's hands and feet if I'm inside the house all the time? Mm-hmm. It's just not possible. But if we're out there making friends. I know you get a hard time all the time for, like, you're always so busy. (laughs) Just mark me in your calendar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I hear from everybody.
1: (laughs) But, you know, she's out there being God's hands and feet, spreading her joy and her love. I always tell you, you know, like you are such a caring and loving person. If people saw that everywhere, like through your podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. then they know who you are to the core. So then you're out there conversing with people and, you know, you're just showing God's love to everybody. Thank
0: you. That's so sweet. You don't feel that way.
1: I know you don't. That's why I tell you. I think sometimes you just need to hear it from yeah. somebody who like knows you really well, you yeah. know. You're like, you know what? I don't feel that way, but maybe they're right. Yeah. Maybe I am a helpful person. Now tell me something nice. <laughs>
0: You're great in all the way. I hated that tonight. Yeah, no. And I I really appreciate that because I do. I always pray that people who listen and if they made it this far, I'll be so proud of you guys because I'm like a 20 minute podcast listener, but I have a lot of people who are like, make them longer. And I hope that you guys do listen to these because it's just real life. But I always pray that people will know this isn't just me talking and preaching and then going and living a completely different way. It is not God honoring to do that. You know, I want to live like Jesus lived. First John says, if you claim to live in him, you must walk as he did. And I think that's a very high calling. And I think that there is prayer and there are ways to love people well and love your neighbors even from home. But I do agree. I think it is important for us to get out into the world. And it's been hard this past year to do that. And I've become more of an introvert than ever before. But I- Don't believe her. (laughs) Yeah. But I want, I want that love and it is hard for me to kind of contain it, which is why I do a lot of brunches or why I do a lot of like coffee dates or girls nights out because I want other friends to meet other friends so that maybe it sounds bad, but like, I can't be the source of that for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people hope I will be because of the platform I have or whatever. Yeah. That they depend on me for that. I'm like, well, I do have my people, and I have to give my people, my family, my close friends, the best of me. And as much as I will counsel you and love on you, I also know I can't give my all to you. We've had this conversation.
1: I can remember vividly, even just a couple months ago, sitting on your bed. Like, Lindsay, you can't put that stress on yourself. And it's okay to want to help people, Mm -hmm. but you can't be the one personally emailing everybody back who writes you because you're so busy, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have kids and, you know, I've said, do you want like your kids to remember that you're on the computer all the time? Mm -hmm. Cause then you're not pouring into them. You're pouring into a stranger and not that they don't deserve somebody, Mm -hmm. but it's not your job to be that somebody for Mm -hmm. every single person. And I know I've shared this with you multiple times. Like, It's okay to say no to things Mm -hmm. because you don't like to say no to things. You feel too bad.
0: (laughs) I've learned to to redirect. And I think that's (laughs) helped me like, Hey, because it is so important to be part of the home church and to have your pastor or to have a counselor where I'm like, hey, I can share my heart on this with you, but I can't continue because I don't know your story. I'm not walking life with you. I would direct you to a counselor or to a pastor or to someone who is close to you because otherwise I can only speak from, it's like doing one-sided counseling for a marriage. You just can't do it because you're not seeing both sides, you know? So I think I have learned that and I do appreciate the encouragement and it has been a struggle for me To not try to be all things to all people, and not because I'm like this holier than thou person who's just so awesome, but because I have a really hard time just saying no and feeling like I'm letting people down. So I do appreciate the. This is true. Yeah.
1: Yes. Wait, I wanted to share one last memory because this—I'll write out a whole (laughs) list of embarrassing things to share—but just like the way our friendship has transformed. You know, our first trip—we went to Arizona, Mm -hmm. and it. It was just us two. We, yeah. you had no kids. You were newly married. Yeah, I didn't know I was pregnant yet. Yeah. so it was just us two. And now I come over and we play pancake pile up with our two youngest kids <laughs> on
0: the team. playroom floor in yeah. my house.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, this is just. We talk, you know, we talk, and then we get interrupted by the kids. Then mm-hmm. we're like, what were we talking about again? I oh, make lunch. Yeah, and get
0: interrupted by the kids. <laughs>
1: Then we get a little irritated because they didn't eat their lunch, but you know, yeah, life with kids. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I just wanted to share that your friendship just goes through so many different stages. And mm-hmm. right now our stage is interrupted by kids and playing
0: pancake pile up on the living room floor. I love that you remember the name of that game. Oh, I went and bought it. Oh, Samuel so loved it fun. so much. Yeah. It's so <laughs> good. I like that game. No, that's true. And I think it's allowing for those changes. That is really important and giving grace because, I mean, you look at the life of Jesus and the relationships that he had with people and he had his close people, he had his three and then he had his 12. And then he had all of his following and the people in his life. And he gave himself and invested himself differently in each group of those people and loved them kind of differently and shared things differently. And I think that's so important, but it's also so important to realize those people who are close to you And that you have chosen, like, okay, these are my people that you realize your friendship is not going to look the same. Just like my marriage with Jesse, some days I'm like, oh, wow, you're a different person than I married. (laughs) You know, I mean, you're completely different than who you used to be. But this is just a commitment to love in the thick of that and to know that there are changes and that I'm a completely different person in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of baggage I have to offer to my relationships that they have to handle. And to humble ourselves and to die to ourselves in those moments and to say, this relationship is worth that effort. It is worth that selflessness. It is worth that sacrifice. It is worth the intentionality and mindfulness of making plans, even when we're both strapped and you show up to my house <laughs> and I was like, Hey, I'm coming over. What day can you hang? Which has been good for me. Like, that is what I need. And I always tell people like, that's what I need. Cause otherwise I just have a really hard time pinning time down which I'm working on, everyone. I'm working on the slowing down and it's been good. So in closing, let's tell them a little bit about our ears. I don't know if they'll be up by the time I launch this just because life is kind of crazy right now. But we are excited because on the Living Easy Shop, we're going to have Mickey and Minnie Mouse ears for your Disney trips. Okay, so talk a little bit about it.
1: You guys, I love creating things. I think God gives us each gift, yes, and I just love making things that, like, you are put, so
0: good. At you are, thank you. So yeah,
1: that put a smile on people's face. And to me, Disney is just such a happy place. I'm literally decked out in a Mickey <laughs> outfit right now because I'm obsessed. Everyone knows I have like 50 Mickey sweaters. It's fine. It's not a problem yet. I can stop at any time. But <laughs> I love just thinking about like my favorite Disney movies. And creating ears out of them, or just I will literally go to Hobby Lobby and see fabric and be like, that needs to be ears, and I will just buy it and make them. So I have made like really pretty glitter ears, some ears with Cinderella silhouettes on it, and her castle, and Elsa. So I really hope they sell because I already have new ideas for like some Mulan ears with some Mushu and some yeah. fire.
0: Well, um, and the ones that you made, we wore on our trip. So we're yeah. going to share those in our photos when we do launch it. So keep an eye out whether they have or haven't launched. I will definitely be announcing it on Instagram at living easy with Lindsay So make sure to keep an eye out because they are super, super cute. And we have pictures of the ones that we wore out there and that we took to Epcot to take photos for you guys. So we're very excited and it would be supporting M and her talents and just the exciting little <laughs> business adventure that we somehow we thought of over coffee Literally. in my kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And they're just really, really cute. So make sure to check them out. But as always, we are just so, so honored to be here with you. Thank you guys so much for showing up and listening and just continuing to be a part of Living Easy Ministries. It means the world to me. And I am forever thankful if you enjoyed this episode, if you felt like you could relate to <laughs> me and Emily, or if you feel like there's somebody in your life who would be really blessed to hear her story, we would love for you to share, tag us on Instagram at living easy with Lindsay, and let us know what you thought of the conversation. And we will talk to y'all next Monday. Hi guys. Thanks for having me. Bye guys. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.